listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, everyone. We're going to dive into our sermon this morning. Uh, As you know, we've been going through the Invisible series, which is about having faith in a God we can't see. Uh, And we've been diving through all the aspects that go along with that. Uh, And this morning we're talking about his will, God's will for our lives. Uh, And this is a uh, question we ask ourselves a lot because we want answers uh, to to the problems of life. So we're going to be talking about God's will. uh, And I'm going to unpack an idea an idea that uh, I believe is prevalent throughout scripture, but also prevalent uh, that God has shown me in my life uh, that I can be uh, the wrong person. God can tell me exactly what he wants me to do and I can be the wrong type of person and it won't come to fruition. Or I can be the right type of person and it doesn't matter where I am, who I am, or no, it matters who I am. It doesn't matter where I am, who I'm with, uh, that I can still fulfill the will of God. So we got these two uh, things that we're going to wrestle with today um, and we're going to dive into scripture. But before we do that, let's invite God into this place uh, and uh, offer it up to him. Heavenly Father, um, I lift up this time to you, this message I uh, present myself as a living sacrifice that you can use right now uh, to speak to us this morning. Pray that uh, you bless this time. We give it over to you and, and ask that you uh, share with us what you want us to hear this morning. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 16. Now, if you don't know Proverbs, it's written by a man named Solomon who uh, got, at a young age, he asked God for wisdom uh, and not just asked God for wisdom uh, like something selfishly. He asked God for wisdom so that he could lead God's people uh, because he was becoming king of Israel. So he asked God for wisdom and God blessed him with wisdom and he became known as the wisest man. God, God said this himself, that he would be the wisest man that ever lived uh, both past and future. Uh, so if you disagree with him, you're disagreeing with the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, And then also Solomon. (laughs) Uh, So Proverbs chapter 16, verse three, commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So he he writes these words of wisdom uh, and Solomon has this for us, commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Yes, sorry, my NIV is a little different than your NIV. Uh, but yes, this is what God has, or, or what Solomon has for us to, to understand. We have a tendency to think about this wrongly. And, and as, as I was unpacking this sermon, I listened to another sermon by a man named Tim Keller. And Tim Keller uh, says something about this verse that I think was important for us to unpack today. He says this, you would think they would say, commit your plans to the Lord and then your deeds will succeed. In other words, commit your plans to the Lord. Oh Lord, bless my plan, and then the execution will succeed. That's what you think it's saying. It's not saying that. It's saying, it says the opposite. It says, commit your deeds to the Lord, and you will become more and more a person who makes smart plans. And so what Tim Keller is is telling us uh, about this passage, this proverb that Solomon wrote down, uh, is, is that we, have a, we, we believe, we think that if we offer up our plans to God and say, God, here's what I want, here's what I want to do, this is what is on my heart, that I, I'm going to go ahead and, and share this with you. And because of, I did this, I did it the right way, I, I presented it to you, now what I'm going to do is going to be blessed. You're going to be with me. It, it's, it's what we're 
We're trying to get God in line with what we're doing. Saying, God, hey, I'm going to tell you my plan and you go ahead and, and give me whatever I need to make it successful. And I think that this is our, our tendency because we don't like to make mistakes. I, I know personally, I don't like to make mistakes. Uh, th- those are what hang on me. I like to be perfect as much as possible. Fortunately, I'm really close. Um, every time people laugh. Um, but I... I I don't like to make mistakes. And so I go to God saying, God, here's what I want to do. Make it successful. Do whatever it needs to be done so that I can succeed in this plan. But that's not what Solomon wrote down. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, submit your deeds to the Lord. Submit, submit what you do to God and he will make you into the person that makes smart plans. And so it's this development that goes on that Solomon wants us to understand is that we don't go to God saying, hey, God, here's my plan. Make my deeds successful. No, we go to God saying, here, God, here's my life. I'm going to do things for you. And in that, God will develop us into the type of people that make successful, smart, intelligent, wise plans. Uh, and so that's, that's what we're running with today. And to illustrate this idea, to illustrate Solomon's words uh, and Tim Keller as he was unpacking this, we're going to continue on what Alex brought up last week. Alex mentioned uh, the Israelites in the desert to explain that we have a, uh, have a moment in our life, in our walk with God, that sometimes it's difficult. We have challenges that arise. And we're going to talk about the Israelites and some of their challenges today. Uh, and in that, we have... Uh, a challenge to our faith, that either God has to give us a perfect life or, or that we have to pretend like it is perfect uh, to have real faith with God, that we're not allowed to complain or grumble against God. But Alex unpacked that the Israelites grumbled against God and God continued to provide for them their needs. Uh, and, and so we have that tension uh, eased on us that we can have a relationship with God where we don't always agree with him. We have to understand who's right and who's wrong in that. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you who it is. It's you uh, and me. But God's not wrong. And, and we have that tension because we're, you know, we're sinful people and we have different plans than what we think he, he wants us to do. But we're allowed, we're allowed that freedom to be able to grumble and to complain and talk with God. We just can't stay there. We can't sit in that or, or listen to that the rest of our lives. We have to understand that God is wiser uh, and has a better plan for us. And we have to trust in that. So we're going to talk about some people that didn't do that um, and chose to disobey God. Uh, and we're going to start out in Numbers chapter 13. It's in your notes if you want, or it's beyond the screen. You can also look um, in your Bibles. That's what I'm going to use here this morning. So Numbers chapter 13 says this, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole Israel, or to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account: "We went into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites." Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live in the, near the land, the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of this land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. 
and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So this is what's going on. The Israelites were led by God out of Egypt. Uh, he performed the 10 plagues to, to convince Pharaoh, uh, both of his might, but also to let his people go. And the Israelites leave and they go through uh, the Red Sea. And that, by the way, is, is a good symbolism from slavery through baptism. Baptism, yeah, get that symbolism. So he goes through the Red Sea. Uh, and so God parts the waters and then crushes the the pursuing Egyptians, following them. And then they find themselves in the desert. And that's where we picked up last week where they're wandering in the desert complaining that they're hungry, that they're tired, that they're thirsty. And God continues to provide for them. When they, they complain about being thirsty, God provides water from rocks. Uh, when, when they're complaining about being hungry, God uh, makes food appear every morning on the ground. Not just, not just any food, like bread that is good, like the, the high end of good bread. You know, like you go to the, you get the cheap bread or the, the good bread. This is the good bread. And so God gives them like good stuff and it's there every morning for them. Uh, and then when they're complaining about, hey man, we've had bread for like a, lo a while now. Let's get some other stuff. God's like, all right. And he blows in quail quail from in the desert. Like this is, that's not where quail normally are. And yet that's where they are for, for these Israelites. Not to mention that each day and each night, God is guiding them with a pillar of fire at night and a cloud overhead in the morning or in the daytime, which provides both guidance, but he's also providing their needs. It's cold at night and you can't see very well. So what does he give them? Fire both light and warmth. And then a cloud overhead during the day because it's hot and the sun's beating down on their heads and God gives them a cloud covering. You see, God's not just giving them uh, guidance in their lives. He's providing their needs. And all along the way, they continue to grumble, which is okay. Why? Because they're still fulfilling God's will. They're still going where God's calling them to go. They can complain and argue, but they're still doing what God wants them to do. But then they get to the promised land the promised land, and, and they go and they send out these 12 spies to look through the land. Uh, and, and they spend 40 days, these spies, and looking through the land, seeing what's going on, and then coming back. And this is what we just read, the, the report that they have to the rest of the Israelite community. They show them the fruit, and they say, the land is indeed awesome. It is exactly what God said. I'm sure they said awesome. But the land's great. And God, God was telling us the truth about this land. It's amazing and it's wonderful. But here's the problem. There's a bunch of big people there. They're scary. They have big walls and they have big arms and they're, they're, they're scary, okay? And we shouldn't go there because they're going to kill us if we try to fight them. And so 10 out of these 12 spies are telling this report saying that it's good and there's all these big people and we shouldn't go. And two of the spies went into the land, Joshua and Caleb, they, they come back and say, yes, it's exactly what they said, that yes, it's awesome. And yes, there are big people with big walls, but God's with us, let's go. Let's not hesitate, let's get in there. Because this is the promised land. And it's not the suggested land. It's not the easy to attain land. It's not the good Yelp review land. It's the God promised us this land. And so we're going to read that. We're going to read what he promised them. In Genesis 15, 18, God says this to Abraham, who at this time is called Abram. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your, uh, said, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadamites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. God promised them the land. He said, I make this covenant, God. God doesn't tend to break his promises. In fact, he's, he's got a great record. He's never lost. He's, uh, he's come through on every single one of his promises and he's, he's been providing for the Israelites the whole way. He said, this is, this is the land that I promised you. And notice in that promise, he doesn't say, I'm giving you this land and it's gonna be easy to take. He mentions the very people that they saw there. He mentions all the people in the promise, said, I'm gonna give you this land where all these people live. I don't know what they were expecting, but when they get there and they see all these people, they're like, well, what the heck? This was supposed to be our land. Why are people living in it? God's, God's saying, I didn't promise you that it was going to be easy to take. I promised you that I'd be with you to take it. I'd be with you to, to take the land that I promised you. You just got to go. But the Israelites heard the 10 spies more than they heard the two. And they, they felt like, you know what? Uh, it's not worth, it's not worth our lives. We're, we're fine in the desert. Things have been fine. Like, even though we complain every day, you know what? It's fine. We'll be fine here because that seems too scary. I don't know. It's the unknown, right? The fear. So they fear entering the land. They fear the big guys with the big walls and they don't want to enter in. They don't fear God and they don't trust him. And because of that, they say no. They grumble against God. Well, as you can imagine, God's thrilled with that. Uh, so let's hear what he has to say in Numbers 14, verse 25. This is in response to their, uh, or verse 28, I'm sorry. So tell them, God talking, so tell them, as surely as I live, that's a bold statement, as surely as God lives, which is eternal, so forever. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In the desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them into the, to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in the de de this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your body, bodies lie in the desert for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days that you explored the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to the whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this desert. Here they will die. There you go. Good morning. You're excited, right? Pumped up. <laughs> Bible, man. Just enriches my life. So there are some tough things, and we have to talk about them. The, these people came to the promised land. The, again, the promised land. God, God said, this is something I promised to you. They came to this land after being provided for each and every day, after being guided by this pillar of fire and the cloud overhead, after going through the sea, the ocean, after walking through an ocean, after seeing the 10 plagues, after doing all of that. And they come to this land and they see the big men with their big walls and say, you know what? I don't think so. That's too scary. Not a fan. 
So God says, okay, you got it. You don't want to go in there, then you can wander in the desert. You can wander in the desert until all of you are dead. And then once all of you are dead, I'll take your children and I'll have them come into the desert. Or I'll have them come into the promised land, the land that I promised them. They will follow me. And what God's been laying on my heart as we've been doing this, uh, as, as I've been planning this message out, uh, is that we look at these people and, and don't criticize them too hard. I, I think it's easy to look at the Israelites and know, dude, why didn't you just trust God? It's so obvious. <laughs> just read the script, man. Like, come on. But I, we have this tendency in our own lives, right? We doubt God. We fear the unknown. We, we face troubles and we're afraid. We're afraid of outcomes that we're not in control of. And we're afraid to go forward and we question God. And, and so understand that it was okay for them to grumble. It was okay for them to have disagreements with God. It was okay for them to have that relationship while they followed him. But here they're flat out rejecting him, saying, no, we're not gonna follow you anymore. We're not gonna follow you into this land because we're afraid. And so God gives them what they want. Says, okay, you don't have to enter this land, but I'm gonna raise up your children to depend on me. I'm going to raise up your children to know that I am God and I will be with them. I'm going to raise up your children so that when it comes time for them to enter this land, they will follow me. And so that's what he does. The next 40 years, God uses uh, the time in the desert to raise up the next generation of Israelites. Israelites that see God every day with the cloud and every night with the fire, that they experience God every morning by picking up the manna that, that has rested on the ground, that they, they kill and eat the quail and that they follow God in each and every day uh, through all the different things, that the, the challenges and obstacles that they face during this 40 years of the desert, that they see God coming through for them time and time again. A generation of people that have known nothing but dependency on God. That's what God is doing in them. That's the challenge and the struggle that he gives them so that they, they can learn what their, their generation before them didn't learn. That God will come through. That God will be with them and no walls and no big people can stop him. And so God raises up this new generation and, and builds in them this dependency on him, this trust and faith that, he, that they can go into this land and not be afraid. They can overcome that fear with faith in God because they've seen him come through for them. So this is uh, what I believe God is doing within, or it has at least done in my life, and I'm, I'm pretty certain about uh, all of us here too, that God, his will uh, is something we already know. I think everybody walked in here with some, to, some knowledge of what God wants you to do, that he wants you to to treat people well, to care for the poor, that he wants you to make disciples, that he wants you uh, to love him and to love others. He wants you to be hospitable and, and just show the world the love that he has shown you through other people and through his son, Jesus. And so this is what we all know. We've all heard this. And that's why I didn't want to spend uh, an entire sermon telling you something you already know. You know God's will. You know what he's doing. You know what he's up to. In the grand scheme, he's trying to save people for the promised land. He's trying to save his children. And he's at every moment reaching out. That's the whole narrative of the entire Bible is him reaching out to his people. And so that's what God's will is. That's what he's trying to do. Now, where do we fit into that? Well, this is, this is where we have our attention because we want to go to God and say, God, what should I do here or there? What school should I go to? What job should I have? Who should I be in a relationship with? 
Should I have decaf or regular caffeinated coffee? God, tell me. There was no vanilla creamer. Does that mean I'm going to hell? God, tell me. I don't know. And we're looking for signs everywhere to know that this is good because we're afraid to make mistakes and we want God on our side to know, hey, God's with us. We look at the Israelites and be like, guys, it's obvious God's with you. How do you not know? But even if God gave us all the signs like he did them, I believe we'd still struggle. We'd still question. We'd still doubt. We'd still be afraid. We still have these moments. And so God can give us all those things and tell us every little detail of what to do, but we'd still struggle. So God's not focused on that. And that's where we have to understand what God's doing. You see, God's trying to save his people, but he's not focused on the details of what we're doing. No, no, no. He's focused on who you are. Developing you into the type of person that it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you're fulfilling his will. That's what God's will is for your life. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to develop you into the person that depends on him that trusts in him, has faith in him, so that when you face obstacles, it doesn't matter what obstacles you're facing, you trust God, you believe in him. It doesn't matter what group of friends and people you're surrounded by, you're showing them the love of Christ. It doesn't matter what job you have, because every job you have glorifies God because you're the type of person who glorifies God in what you do. That's what God is working on in your life. That's how he's developing you. That's his will for you. He's not trying to get you to pick out all these little details. He's saying, those details don't matter. What matters is who you are. And so he's going to use, and this is what I love. This is what I love. He's going to use your, the times you, you choose wisely, the times that you follow him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to use that to develop you. And guess what? He's going to use the times you make mistakes too to develop you. And this is what I love about God. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes or if you make good choices, God's going to use those opportunities to develop you in the type of person that depends on him. Your only job, the only responsibility you have is to continue to trust him in that. Continue to trust him to develop you. You can grumble. You can be upset. You can argue with him. Just remember who's right. Remember that he's the right one and and you have to learn to bend to that. He'll listen to you. He'll work with you and he'll develop you into the person that can handle these things. And don't be so concerned about all these little details. So this morning, um, we're going to jump into our communion time. People can serve the communion. And I I want to unpack uh, these three things that I want us to take away. Three things that I believe God uh, wants us to understand from this lesson from the Israelites. First of all, Recognize where God is developing you. Recognize this. This is something that I think we have a, a tension with, that we, we are laboring under this uh, idea that God's will depends entirely on us. Like, I have to make sure I'm doing everything exactly the way it needs to be done, or God's will won't happen. Well, let me dispel that for you. God's will is going to happen. He's a big God. He's got a lot of power, and he's going to make it happen. the only difference about understanding God's will and adjusting your life to it is you getting on board with him because he's going to do what he's going to do. We get the opportunity to jump in with him. He gives us the freedom of choice to be able to get in line with him and work with him and help him and be a part of this. So if you want to get in line, understand that God's will uh, is, is happening. And as he's doing his will, as he's fulfilling his will, look in your life, 
See where he's developing you. As I said, God uses our mistakes, but he also uses our good choices. See the circumstances that you're in. See the challenges that you might be facing. See the, the, the choices that you have and see what God's trying to develop in you. This is an important step that we have to understand is that uh, instead of fixating on all these details and trying to look for signs, look in, inward and see what God's trying to do in your life and, and the person he's trying to develop you into. So that's our first step. Our second step is to make decisions, make choices. Uh, I think we have a, a, a fear, a fear to do things without being sure this is what God wants, without like God appearing to us and saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. We're afraid to make choices. We're afraid to make a decision. But God, God has developed us into people already. Some of you have been at this longer than I have. You've been a Christian for longer. Some of you have just gotten into it and, and maybe you need a little more guidance. But for most of us, we've been a Christian long enough that we've been developed enough that we can make some choices. We can understand, hey, I know what God's up to. I know what he wants to do. I know that he wants to save people. I know that he wants to show his love. I know he wants me to make disciples. So I'm going to go ahead and make this choice based on what I know of God. I'm going to go ahead and make this choice based on what he's done in my life. When I was listening to that Tim Keller sermon, he, he explained it like this. You don't still ask your parents to go out and play with your friends, do you? Like, I thought about calling my mom up and asking her if I could go out with my friends this week and just like, hey mom, is it okay? Like, what are you calling me for? Like, why are you doing this? Why? Because I, I, she's raised me. She knows that I know who to hang out with and who not to hang out with. She knows that I, like, I know which circumstance I should be in and I shouldn't. So I can decide for myself. I can make that decision based on what my mom's taught me. And the same thing, God's been teaching you your whole life and he's been helping you make decisions. So you don't have to be paralyzed with fear. Should I talk to this person or not? Yeah, go talk to them. Why not? Just go show them some love. Should I go to this, should I take this job or should I go, take this job? Well, either one, you're going to support God, right? You're going to tithe. You're going to show uh, the people around you that you believe in Jesus and you're going you're to profess your faith. You, you, either job, you're going to do those things. So either job, you can glorify him. So you can make decisions. You can make choices knowing that God has already been developing you. He's already been developing you into a person that can make those choices. And you don't got to call up God and be like, hey, God, can I do this real quick? Can I go play with my friends? You don't have to do that. You can make choices. I'm not saying you can't ask God. Go ahead and ask God. But don't be so paralyzed that you don't make a choice. You don't take action. Because that's what the Israelites did. They chose not to go in because they weren't sure. They weren't certain that it would be theirs. Even though God told them. Number three, follow, follow the example. God... Uh, or someone in your life has brought you here to this moment. There are people in your life that have reached out to you in some way, shape, or form. And I think sometimes when we say make disciples, we get a little confused. Like, what does that exactly mean? Does that mean I have to preach to thousands of people? Does that mean that I have to, to make a, like, super, like a crazy amount of disciples and a bunch of people have to follow me around each and every day of my life? That'd be kind of weird. Look at what people have done for you in your life. How, the, how you have come to this point. Who reached out to you? It might have been something very small, but it meant so much to you. I look at my life. I look at my dad raising me and making sure that I prayed every night, teaching me to memorize scripture and to go to church. And I had to go to church. 
There's no argument. I didn't have to believe in God because he knew he couldn't force that on me, but I had to go to church. Then my mom showed me what it means to be generous and kind. And uh, they both took in everybody and they were very hospitable to anyone. And they showed me what it meant to care for people that were in need. That uh, my sisters showed me what it looked like to have a faith of their own. That instead of just following uh, Jesus, that they, they professed Jesus on their own, on their own accord. And they showed me what that looked like. Even though I was raised as a pastor, they showed me what true faith looks like on their own. And my best friend, Eddie, he walked with me and, and uh, both of us developed together. And each one of us discipled each other as we grew. Both of us are now youth pastors. I look at the youth pastors that have spoken into my life. Leo and Vic, and they, they took time and like, they were like, yeah, you're kind of annoying, but I'll hang out with you, you know? <laughs> I'll still show you love, even though this is not my favorite thing to do in the world. And I'm like, yeah, thanks guys. Feels good. But I look at the people in my life that have brought me to where I am today. And it wasn't like some magic formula. It wasn't something so amazing. And it wasn't like the perfect words ever said, no. Just some people showing me love here and there. Some people have just shown me the way. Hey, this is what it looks like. That's it. Follow that example. The example that's been set for you, for the people that have done that in your life. Follow that example. That's what God is asking us to do, to join in with his will, what he's trying to do. And he's, he's allowing us the opportunity to be a part of it. Now, the story didn't end there. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. After the Israelites had wandered in the desert 40 years, after the other generation had died off, and the only two people that were adults at that time that are still around are Joshua and Caleb. Joshua takes over from Moses as the leader of the Israelites, and they are prepped. They have wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God has developed them into the type of people. And so now they're on the precipice of entering the land, and this is what Joshua says to the Israelites. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua is like, hey guys, you remember what happened last time, right? Some of you were old enough. Some of you weren't alive yet, but you've heard the story. We're going to go into this land. And he says, have I not commanded you? This is a command. It wasn't like, hey, this is something that you were going to naturally feel. No, no, no. He's saying this is a command. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Don't allow those things to stop you from going in there. Be strong. Be courageous. Overcome those fears. Walk into that land and know that God, he's with us. That's, that's what God has developed these people into. And that's what God, I believe, is working in our lives to develop us into the people that when we're faced with those opportunities, we're the type of people that say, yes, I will go. I will do it. I will trust you, God. I will have faith in you because you've come through for me before and you said you'll do it again. A perfect example of fulfilling God's will and jumping in with God, what God wanted. Jesus laid it out. One of the best parts about Christianity is that God never expects anything he's not willing to do himself. Jesus showed us this example by being obedient, by following and having faith, knowing that God's will was to save his people and so Jesus sacrifice himself on the cross and that's what we we bring up every every Sunday as often as we're together we remember this so on the last night Jesus 
uh, amongst his disciples broke the bread and shared it with them and said, take and eat everyone. Then Jesus passed the cup, said, this represents the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, giving us the opportunity to be here and hear your word. I pray that uh, as we go into our lives and as we're presented with choices and options and things that we're not entirely sure, I pray that you guide us as much as you can. But as, as we go forward, I pray that you give us the boldness to make choices, that we trust in what you're doing in our lives and know that you're developing us into the type of people that will make smart plans. I pray that uh, as a community of people that we can be courageous, that we can be strong, trusting in you, having faith that you're going to come through for us and that we can get in line as, as both individuals but also as a, a body of believers in, in the work that you're trying to do. Pray that uh, you use us, you guide us, and mold us and make us into the people you want us to be. We love you. Praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.